This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shops, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by Isabel Hardman and James Forsyth. Liz Truss met her cabinet today and there was another U-turn. Isabel, can you fill us in? Yes, so it's quite difficult to keep track of Liz Truss's position on, on anything at the moment. And what complicates it now is that her position is, is slightly irrelevant. It's now Jeremy Hunt's position that's of greater interest. But on this particular issue, it's the pensions triple lock, which is now also in play in terms of spending review. And um, this was something that Jeremy Hunt hinted at yesterday in the House of Commons, where he said that he was aware that lots of pensioners were, were vulnerable, but there wasn't, but you know, he was wasn't ruling out anything or committing to anything ahead of the spending review. And so we had a cabinet meeting this morning where there was, in the words of Downing Street, a lengthy discussion about public spending. Now, having read the cabinet minutes from pretty much every meeting since the war, I'd say that lengthy discussion is pretty well known in sort of civil service Whitehall shorthand as a translation for big row. And so there was a big row at Cabinet today about triple lock, about NHS spending, about defence spending. And this is really interesting on defence as well, because Truss obviously uh, won the backing of Defence Secretary Ben Wallace, partly because she committed to raising defence to defence spending to 3% of GDP by 2030 and to 25 by 2026. And This morning, Defence Minister James Heapy said he would resign from the government uh, while also launching a number of other attacks on cabinet ministers if that wasn't honoured. So today at the lobby briefing, we were asking the Prime Minister's official spokesman about this. And he said that the Prime Minister was committed to the 2030 target, but the shape of that rise in defence spending was yet to be decided and he would not commit to the 2.5% by 2026, which is going to cause a lengthy discussion because Ben Wallace has been very clear in public and in private that this commitment means that defence spending is going to rise every year rather than the Treasury trying to sort of push it towards the back end of that period uh, in order to achieve savings. And we're going to see rows like this in every departmental area. Jeremy Hunt is meeting with cabinet ministers this week, asking them to find ways in which to spend taxpayers' money more efficiently without affecting the service that the public sees, which sounds impossible, but which actually means that any sort of you know future commitments, future spending programmes, uh, capital investment in particular, will likely go out of the window. And even though that doesn't mean a reduction in something that people are receiving now, it means that, for instance, you know, hospitals aren't going to be repaired, something Liz Truss is very aware of, given one across the border from her constituency uh, is currently propped up by stilts. Prisons aren't going to see some of the, the very basic and necessary repairs that they need and so on. And you can just see how each Secretary of State is going to start getting very resentful, uh, not just of other spending pots and not just of the new chancellor but of the prime minister because they will know that the public will link rightly or wrongly the the disastrous mini budget with this round of spending cuts because the prime minister has not prepared the ground for these spending cuts and therefore it, it seems as though she's sort of sacrificing public spending on the altar of a mini budget which she's already had to reverse. 
James, how badly spending cuts going to be to put it into perspective because there's lots of talk about this is going to be on the scale of George Osborne's austerity cuts but that was before ultimately we had a reversal of many of the parts of the mini budget so do we have a sense of where Jeremy Hunt is looking and also on foreign aid for example that was some of Kwasi Kwarteng was looking but Jeremy Hunt's always been pretty opposed to reducing that hasn't he? So it's one of the interesting questions so the government is proceeding with more tax rises than planned, but we now learn that the budget black hole is bigger than had previously been thought. One of the reasons why the government made this statement yesterday is not just to calm the markets, but the hope that if it can calm the markets, it can ask the OBR to recalculate what the cost of debt servicing will be. And if the OBR significant does recalculate on these new calmer prices then that would reduce the size of the black hole by quite a lot and therefore the amount of spending cuts that are necessary. I think you and Isabel have hit on the key point here, which is it is hard to see what the, in inverted commas, easy cut are. Remember that George Osborne did this flip from RPI to CPI for uprating benefits, right? That saved lots of money. And, you know, politically, it was complicated and the government got largely, kind of inverted commas, got away with it and it saved a lot of cash. There aren't those things around now. And the other question now is, you're at a time when there is not only political pressure for the defence budget to rise from Ben Wallace and James Heapy and the fact that Liz Truss made those commitments during the Tory leadership contest, but also from the reality of events on the ground, whether it be whether it be in in Ukraine or, or, or the fact you've got the US Secretary of State warning that China is planning to take Taiwan on a far faster timetable than, than previously thought. And I struggle to see where these cuts come from in politically easy ways. One of them is, as you say, ODA, you know, keeping it at 0.5 rather than going to 0.7, so it's about £4 billion a year. But Jeremy Hunt was one of the people who voted against the whole idea. You know, he wanted to keep it at 0.7 permanently. And then I thought yesterday, it'd be fascinating to know what Isabel makes of this. I thought it was very interesting that when Jeremy Hunt, in one of those very collegiate ways of his, decided to find one thing from every former Chancellor to praise. The thing he praised George Osborne for was protecting the NHS budget while other budgets were being cut. Now, you can say that, oh, all these budgets are going to go up. But if the NHS budget only goes up by 1% a year, that is not going to feel like a spending increase. Health inflation traditionally runs ahead of normal levels of inflation. And normally the NHS spending over the historical average goes up by 3% a year. So if it's only going up by 1% a year, that is going to be a lot of pressure. And then the other thing is the state has started to do more in a whole host of areas since 2010 and the question is you do you want the state to stop doing those things or not i think it is very difficult you go and talk to all the kind of all the people who were involved in the 2010 austerity and you say to them like look can you see a piece of low-hanging fruit like the rpi cpi switch and they all agree that they they can't and this is much more difficult and it's also I think more difficult because you could argue in 2010 that public spending from 2000 to 2010 had risen very rapidly maybe there were some things that you could you you could say right this is excess spending I, I think it is harder to find those things now because politically you've had a Tory government in power for the last 12 years Isabel what do you think about that on the NHS if there's just a one percent rise yeah, I mean, the, the NHS is having to make record efficiencies this year anyway, and that's something that its boss, Amanda Pritchard, has, has agreed to. But she 
quite clearly set out in a speech a couple of months ago that it would be impossible, I think those were her words, or at least words to that effect, to go any further because because of inflation, the health service is basically experiencing a real terms cut in its funding. And so this is going to be extremely hard. And again, it just comes back to the point about capital spending, which for the NHS is, you know, is very low in comparison to a lot of other developed economies where where there are good health services, which are possibly operating um, in a way that the NHS might envy. It's partly because capital investment is, is better. And that's not just buildings, but that's also IT and, uh, you know, robots for surgery and, and, and that sort of thing. So that's a point that's worth making. It's also worth reflecting on the fact that Steve Barclay, when he was health secretary, I know there have been quite a few health secretaries and moves uh, around government over the past few months but he was health secretary over the summer and people in the NHS were largely sort of oh my god the the axe man cometh because they thought he was basically just going to announce that they could cut all sorts of things that they felt were essential he actually struggled to find very many things that could reasonably be considered to be fat in the NHS to be cut And so I think if you've got somebody who, like Steve Barclay, you know, has got a treasury background, has been in the health department as well, doesn't mind making themselves unpopular, doesn't mind doing cuts, who actually has come out of that department going, "Mm, not actually sure there's that much to cut. I think you're you're heading for quite politically difficult ground amongst, um, amongst other conservatives. I would say, though, that I think it's probably wrong to react in the way that a lot of people in the health world have to Jeremy Hunt becoming Chancellor. A lot of them seem to think, you know, this means that the health service is safe. And granted, Hunt does understand the dynamics around the health service much better than any other Chancellor probably ever has. But he would be the first Chancellor in history to say that the NHS needed a lot more money. And I am not sure that... He's going to be that person because his time in health also made him very, very mindful of how annoyed other colleagues get when the NHS swallows up lots of money. So, James, tricky conversations coming up on spending cuts. um, But ultimately, is Liz Truss going to be around long enough to deal with this? What's the mood like? It It seems a little bit today as though things have calmed. Of course, we have prime ministers and calmed in a relative way. But ultimately, almost MPs are waiting now until prime ministers' questions. Liz Truss addressed the One Nation group last night. She's addressing the ERG this evening. There's more reach out going on. Is there a shoring off of the position going on or is it too early to tell? So I, I would say two, two things to look out for. One is prime ministers' questions tomorrow. Now, I hate the phrase, but what's the mood of a house like after that? You know, do people think that this is a tenable situation or not? The one note of caution I would insert is that throughout, I have been what, um, uh, sound pompous now, I've been political respected now for 13 years. Every time a Congratulations. PMT is, this could be much. an unlucky year for you then. <laughs> um, every time there is a supposedly a crunch PMQs, it turns out not to be as dramatic as people expect. But tomorrow will be, I think, the oddest PMQs that any of us have ever seen. Because I don't think we've ever seen a situation where the Prime Minister comes having you turned on so much in, in such a short space of time. But I think if Liz Truss can get through PMQs tomorrow, then I think she has a route to 
the 31st of October as the next flashpoint when, when Jeremy Hunt delivers this fiscal statement. Because it is all very well to speak in the abstract about being prepared to take eye-wateringly difficult decisions as he did yesterday. The tax are going to rise and spending going to fall. But when you actually start setting those out in black and white with the kind of specificity that I think the markets will want, that is going to create an immense reaction. I think if there isn't enough specificity there, there is still a risk that, that you end up in the worst of all possible worlds, which is you deliver something very politically unpalatable, but it still isn't enough to satisfy the markets. I tend to think that the markets will drive the pace of this. So that, that Tory MPs have decided that they are not going to let this trust lead them into the next election. They haven't decided what they want to do instead. And so probably they will carry on talking amongst themselves about what to do next unless they are forced into action by something else. Thank you, James. Thank you, Isabel. And thank you for listening.